0: This week's sponsor is EDD Bookings. EDD Bookings is the appointment bookings extension for easy digital downloads. Accept bookings online for consultations and lessons, rent out venues for hours, days or weeks at a time, or have clients book doctor's appointments online. EDD Bookings saves you time and money while providing your clients with a clean and simple booking process. Get it from eddbookings.com Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of mastermind.fm This week I have with me Kevin Maldon making a return to talk about crypto mining This is a subject which is in my opinion very interesting and Kevin has a lot of experience in this area He also has his own YouTube channel where he explains all about crypto mining. This episode uh, was meant to be about YouTube and crypto mining. But after we recorded it, I thought it would be better to split it into two. So in this first part today, we're going to be having Kevin explain crypto mining. And in the second episode next week, we'll have him explain how to launch and sustain the growth of a YouTube channel. So without further ado, let's welcome Kevin back on Mastermind.fm. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Last week's episode was very interesting from myself and I hope from our audience perspective as well. As you remember, we talked about making money online in terms of blogging and forums. And we also had some sharing about WordPress and uh, by the way on the topic of WordPress I read a post this week which I'll leave in the show notes by a guy wrote about like what he feels the future of WordPress is and I think it ties in very nicely with what we discussed last time so uh, he talks about it not being the tool of choice for beginners as it was when we started off so WordPress kind of lost that niche so it's kind of the crossroads for WordPress and whether it will still be used in the numbers that we are seeing now in the future. And
1: This is something you said, you know, you basically said that there's services like Squarespace, Wix, and they're very user-friendly for beginners. Mm -hmm. I think if you go back when WordPress and, you know, content management systems got popular, People like ourselves were designing websites with html and we had to learn all the code and then the visual editor really changed things it allowed you to add content very easily mm-hmm. but wix and all these other drag and drop builders you know all these services they, they've taken it to the next level and i do think it's you know perhaps wordpress isn't as user friendly or it's not the most user friendly one out in the market now
0: yeah and as we discussed last time there's also this new mentality of people being comfortable with giving their content to proprietary platforms. Yeah. Like easiest is best rather than owning your own content, open source. Nobody really cares nowadays, especially if you're starting out and you just want to focus on your content.
1: I can understand that because... There are days when you've spent two, three hours managing plugins, updating plugins, mm-hmm. looking at security issues, wondering why a plugin has crashed and your website isn't working, and all you want to do is write an article or publish content and then move on. And when you're spending more time managing things like that, you know, this is why people move towards you know easier solutions. There are managed hosting services for WordPress now, but I don't want to delve too deep into that, but in my opinion, they're all too expensive for what they offer, generally speaking, Mm -hmm. I think.
0: I agree. And I don't think they offer the solution to the hurdles that many newbies uh, encounter, especially if they have nothing to do with the web. I had my Spanish teacher a few months ago who wanted to make her own website, and I suggested WordPress because that's what I've always done. And it took me three weeks of... She actually did spend a week trying wordpress.com wordpress.org and then she's like i'm not gonna do this again you know and she just yeah m- made the web- website in two days with one of these online builders so anyway not to get too straight track I-, I leave this post in the show notes i just wanted to mention it since we discussed this last time and in this episode i'd like to discuss something we didn't really go into last time which is crypto And this is something of a shared interest, but you've taken a different side uh, approach to getting involved and making money with this with crypto. So I'd love to get to know your story, what you're doing right now, and uh, how you got into it. Well,
1: the first time I really came across cryptocurrency, I was traveling South America. I think it was about, try to think, I was in South America for a few years, but I think it was when I was backpacking Mm -hmm. and I was trying to mine Bitcoin. You know, those days was very, very different. People were hanging out in Bitcoin talk. You had these websites like MTGox, which were later attacked. But at the time, I downloaded the miner. And, you know, just the mindset, you know, of of myself, if I think back then, there weren't many websites that actually explained, you know, the technology in a very user-friendly manner. So it was quite technical. Even, you know, someone from my background, I found some of it quite technical. But I downloaded the wallet. I was trying to mine. But in order to mine, you had to download the blockchain. And I was traveling about South America with a, a very... I mean, it was a portable laptop, but it was dual-core. Mm-hmm. I was getting terrible internet speeds, and it was taking days to do it. I explored the idea at one point. I had a few hundred dollars of in PayPal, and I was going to just buy some Bitcoin. And if I did... I'd be a very rich man right now um, because I think at the time bitcoin was under a dollar or something like that so it'd have like mm-hmm. I think it was even less than that. Um I would have had at least like 500 bitcoin. But I didn't do it. You know it's it's hindsight because I probably would have sold it later on anyway. But I didn't really explore the option. You know a few years down the line it was still there but it was funny because I used to train with a guy a few years ago James and he was really into it. He was always into kind of you know trying to make money like a businessman and he was into cryptocurrency and he kept asking me about it you know because he knew I had a technical background and I kept saying well I tried before and I almost felt better that I'd missed out and I think a lot of people did Mm -hmm. but what I failed to see at the time was that I was still an early adopter you know in 2016-17 I'd still be a very early adopter of the technology. Fast forward last year cryptocurrency really started Coming into the news because a lot of coins, particular Ethereum, these coins started to be profitable. A lot of people started um, making a lot of money from GPU mining, and you know I started reading more about this because I was read, I was building my PC and I was doing YouTube videos about technology. So it kept coming up, and then I decided, yeah, I'm going to build a PC, but then I'm also going to get some GPUs. You know, if you look back, a lot of gamers talking about this in 2016, 2017 one of the ways to actually pay for your gaming card was to simply leave your gaming card and your PC mining when you weren't playing games. And that's, you know, for a lot of people, that's what they did. So, yeah, it just kind of came on my radar again, and I swallowed my pride that I didn't make a lot of money before, which was a silly attitude to have, I think, in hindsight. Started reading about it more, started, you know, it was again, it was like we were talking about this last week, where the two of us have a similar brain where you need to be interested. mm mm-hmm. And I was doing the same things for years. And, and you know, I've got, I had that same passion again. I was wanting to learn more, do more. And yeah, once you start going down that rabbit hole and you start reading, you know, (laughs) you just start uh, wanting to get involved in it more. So yeah. And then 2017, um, at the tail end of the year, Bitcoin, you know, it rose all the way up to $20,000. Certainly some manipulation in the market there. You know, there's a lot of important people doing that. Um, But I went out you, you know, you kind of touched upon it there that I went down a different road. I think you've bought some coins.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Technically, I have never bought any cryptocurrency and I've never sold it either. Like, you know, as far as exchanging it for fiat yeah. currency, like dollars, euros or pounds. Instead, what I did was I invested money and I went out and I bought a huge amount of graphics cards, which, you know, if anyone watches any of my YouTube videos, you can see them <laughs> yeah. you know, behind my office. I've got a lot of boxes for them. So yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of how I, I decided to get involved. And yeah, this year I still consider myself a beginner in many aspects. And I know there's many aspects of cryptocurrency I, I'm not always going to understand fully because I'm not, I don't consider myself a developer. Mm-hmm. But I I know what I need to know as far as you know right. investing in and in mining and things like that. Huh.
0: So my impression was that I don't know. Probably wrong impression then that uh, since Bitcoin had gone so big that it wasn't that profitable as a small miner to do your own mining. So it's interesting that you got into it last year when Bitcoin was really high. So how do you go about uh, building your own mining system? Is it something to do with Scotland where you have low, low electricity costs or is it not that low?
1: No, no, and and electricity costs aren't that cheap in the UK. Uh, They're certainly more expensive than most of the USA. I think there's certain countries in the world, China, China's quite efficient. There's certain countries in Eastern Europe, I know Mm -hmm. Iceland, because they've got geothermal power, they can offer cheap electricity. I think dollar-wise, I'm well, pounds, I think I'm like 14 pence per kilowatt hour, and that's about 18 cents, US dollars. And electricity is one of the biggest expenses of mining. But uh, as far as mining goes, I think one of the misconceptions a lot of people have is that you're actually mining Bitcoin. But in order to mine Bitcoin, you have to buy what's called an ASIC miner. Um and these are purpose-built mining machines that can only mine one algorithm mm-hmm. or you know one type of coin. And an algorithm is just a, a you know a set of functions, really, you know, a set of calculations. It solves problems for the blockchain, and they all do it in different ways. But each ASIC mining machine is designed to do one algorithm only. To buy a Bitcoin one, because of electricity costs and because of the margins and because of the popularity, it's more popular in countries like China rather than the UK and USA. When you hear about people talking about mining in in, the, in Europe, and you know the West, essentially North America they're probably talking about altcoins, alternative coins, which is kind of like a a general term everyone uses for coins that aren't Mm -hmm. Bitcoin. So if you're mining, you know, the chances are, if someone says they're a miner, they're probably mining an altcoin, which could be a popular coin like Ethereum, way down to something that's brand new, it's risky, there's no guarantee. You know, and it's kind of risk versus reward. If you start mining some of these newer coins with your GPUs, then there's more chance of the project being abandoned or it doesn't go to where you want to be. But the returns could be very good as well if you pick the right projects. You can call them speculative coins. You can mine a coin that, is, you know, the project's perhaps only three months old, perhaps only worth a few cents. But a year down the line, it could be worth a dollar, it could be worth $2, it could be worth $10. It's one of those things. Everyone's got a different strategy as far as mining goes. And it's hard to say what is the right way or what is the wrong way because it's easy to look back in hindsight months later when you've got the information of how the market went or how a project went as to what was the right decision. Mm -hmm. By the time, it's difficult to know what is the right decision. I've probably this year, I've applied more of a risky approach as far as rather than invest, like mining established coins, I've been trying newer projects. But to am hopefully I'm not going off to too much of a tangent there, but to go mm-hmm. back to your question about you know how do you get started yeah. and how do you, you know how do you get started mining? If you have a PC, if you've got a graphics card, then you can use that graphics card to mine. Now there's there's certain services that simplify this process. Nice hash is probably the best example of that. You download their mining software, you click start, and you can mine with your CPU or your GPU. Mm-hmm. It will just start mining. And then it will go to your account and you'll you'll actually be paid in Bitcoin. And that goes directly to Coinbase. And Coinbase is an external service. It's probably the largest fiat to cryptocurrency service in the world. It's it's like a billion dollar company. And if you want to buy cryptocurrency, most people go through Coinbase and then they'll deposit dollars or pounds or euros and then they can buy Bitcoin or Ethereum. But NiceHash is one of the simplest ways to do it. You download an app and you click start. There's other ones like Minergate, but as far as, as as far as, you know, I hear a lot of rumors that they're skimming off the top, but, you know, these kind of things are simplified. These services are s- simplified but for beginners.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But ideally, you don't want to be using services like that. You want to explore, you know, more into it. You can download mining applications and you run them yourself. A little bit more technical, but not too difficult. But you just download them. You need to download a wallet, get your address, you need to get the mining pool set up. And for anyone who's never done this before, in comparison to NiceHash, where you click start and you click stop and you're paid in Bitcoin, it is more technical in that regard. But you should should nearly always make more money. Mm. With regards to NiceHash, it is worth clarifying that you aren't actually mining Bitcoin. You're not mining Bitcoin. Despite the fact you're paid in Bitcoin, what they have got is a marketplace where people buy hash power. So they're buying Essentially, they're renting your graphics card and they're paying to use that to mine a range of different algorithms and a range of different coins. And then whatever the market dictates, you know what people are paying for that hash power is what you get paid. But it is very easy to start. You know, there's an application. You just download it, you click start and you go. But you do have to look at your electricity costs. You have to look at your daily profits. And the market today is very different to the market November, December, January. Daily profits from mining have went all the way down because the price of Bitcoin has went down, and Bitcoin remains the main driver in the industry. You know, when Bitcoin goes down by ten percent, nearly all coins will go down the same amount, if not more. Mm-hmm. So, if Bitcoin crashes, all the coins crash because Bitcoin. You, you probably know this yourself. When you go into a cryptocurrency exchange, yeah, the Bitcoin pairing is the main pairing. Is what people are using mm-hmm. to deposit coins. It's what people are using to withdraw coins. So when Bitcoin is affected, all the coins are affected. This is something that a lot of people want to move away from. They don't want Bitcoin to be as influential in many regards because you don't want the success of your project going up and down at the fiat value according to you know mm. what happens with Bitcoin. But it remains the dominant force. It was the first cryptocurrency. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the, the best, but it's the most used. It's the most valuable, and it's still the most influential.
0: So I'm assuming that you have this mining rig going on 24/7 in your house, and I guess I can link a YouTube video where you show this rig. Is that right? Or a photo?
1: I do have a few videos. I can certainly provide photos. I do have a few videos on my channel that show it. I've got a couple of videos as well where I did Mm -hmm. tutorials on how to set up a cryptocurrency mining rig. So. Essentially, what I've got right now, I've got 30 graphics cards. Mm -hmm. And one is on my main PC, the one that I'm recording through right now. That's actually disabled right now because when I use video, Mm -hmm. you know, if I was mining at the same time, the video would be all wonky. So I disable it whenever I'm doing any work and then switch it back Mm -hmm. on when I'm not at the desk. But apart from that, just over the back of me here, I've got four mining rigs. And essentially, when I say a mining rig, what i've got is four motherboards four pcs with uh, well the first three have got eight graphics cards attached to them and the top one's got five and those are on all day long if if they're not on i'm losing money mm. effect- effectively you know you want your your mining rigs to be running all the time so those cards are always running always making money for me well
0: i guess there's an initial part of recovering the investment of the cards as well right
1: well, yes, they all have break-even points. But this, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too much. This is a something we could talk about for hours as far as that goes. But you have to look at your return on investment date. You have to think of your break-even point. But in a market like cryptocurrency, certainly in 2018, we are you basically we've got a thing where it's called a bull run or a bear run or a bear market. We were in a bull run in December, January, where all the prices were high. But right now we're in a bear market. And to put it into perspective, if I look at my mining setup here, you know, with my 1080 Ti's, which at the time cost me like a thousand pounds, there was at one point it was making me five pounds per day per card. Now I'm making about 80 pence per day. So mm. I am making, a, you know, it's such a small fraction of what I was going back in December. And it's just the way the market has went. But I don't follow too much with what's happening in Bitcoin because I don't hold too much Bitcoin right now. I'm focusing more on investing on projects, which I think one year, two year down the line, you know, these projects will be doing well. But at the same time, I realize, you know, Bitcoin remains a, a, the main driver of everything. Right. And my returns right now are a fraction of what they were at the start of the year. There are some things happening. There's things, that it, you know, it's very influential what happens in the USA and in Asia. There's some things that, you know, they've got, what's it called? The, the ETF, the traded fund thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If that decision goes a certain way in the way that people think, then perhaps a lot of people are saying in the industry that in September, we might see you know prices going up very, very quickly of coins. And all of a sudden, my 80 pence per card per day could go up to one pounds or two pounds or five pounds. And this is how it's difficult to, to work out a break-even point because if the market had continued for a few months at the beginning of the year, I could have paid back all my investment in like three months. But when the market goes down, your three months becomes six months mm. or 12 months, or perhaps even never at all. You know, there is that risk. Yeah, But I guess there's risk in every single investment you do in business.
0: Right. So would you recommend that, for example, I do some mining? Or is it something that is only recommended for some kind of people, depending on technical knowledge or marketing, um, I mean, market knowledge or the circumstances that we're going through at the moment with the prices of Bitcoin and crypto?
1: I think, you know, when, when you're in a bear market and when you're looking at graphics cards and the break-even point is over a year based on current prices and current profits, the, the smart move would probably be, probably be just to buy the coins. Mm-hmm. You don't have to spend time maintaining anything. You don't have to, you know, do anything like that. But things can change quickly as well. There's a lot of people who believe that GPU mining, you know, it certainly is going in decline because of the rise of ASIC miners and the rise of FPGAs, which is field programmable gate arrays, I think it is. But essentially, like, programmable computers, which can be very powerful. And, you know, like a machine that costs maybe three times what my 1080i graphics card can do could perhaps have 10 times the hash power, the mining power. So we're seeing the market going in a different way and this is affecting GPU miners because certain coins can't be mined with GPUs effectively anymore. So perhaps GPU mining is going to be more of a niche thing. Um, so people are looking at ASIC miners, the break-even point on those ones. Again, there's so many unknown factors, but it could be three months mm-hmm. or it could be never. You know, It depends on what happens with the coins. You don't need to do a lot of research for these things. It's difficult. I mean, before anyone gets involved in mining, I wouldn't tell anyone to rush out and buy a mining rig or set anything up. I, I would tell them to get involved, perhaps download a simple mining program and try some pools and to get a better understanding of how it all works. Then start reading news, then start following. And you'd have to have a better understanding of how everything works before you jump in. Yeah, That's coming from someone who did jump in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think right now it, it, it's one of those things though because when the market changes You know, the whole everything is flipped upside down. And all of a sudden, my graphics cards, which, you know, people are trying to sell right now because they're not as profitable as they were, in a few months' time, if the market goes the the same way as it did at the end of last year, all of a sudden with me, these with these graphics cards, I have you know, I'm in a very good position. I can mine a lot of coins, I can make a lot of money, and graphics cards could be very scarce again. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say do your research. Before I bought all my 30 GPUs, I spent about a month I did lots of different spreadsheets. I was looking at the break-even points. I was looking at the prices in the market. I was looking at coins. I was downloading software, playing about with everything. I probably spent too much time doing it, I actually. I was too cautious in some regards, but I'm glad I did do it. You know, I think a lot of people don't. They just buy and then worry about it later and then realize the hardware doesn't match up with the coin that they want to mine. Mm. I mean, it's the same as investing yeah. as well. You know, There's a lot of risks in investing, you know, when you're buying a coin on cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is the safest bet. Or you can, you know, there's other established coins like Ethereum. But you ha- you almost become like an investigator. You know, yeah, you have yeah. to look at, the, it's not just the white paper and the website. You need to look at, read between the lines, read a lot of articles. And the market never goes the way that you think it will. It's still being driven by hype, by news, by people manipulating prices and things like that. You know, I've seen coins, for example, I've got a cryptocurrency hardware wallets here and I've seen coins add, add support for that, which should, in theory, add value to the coin because it's more, you know, can be stored. The wallets can be stored in a hardware wallet and yet the price goes down. And I've seen, you know, other coins got hacked and the price went up. It boggles the mind, but, you know, the market is driven by, you know, if people start selling, people start panicking or people start buying they have got FOMO, fear of missing out. So people start buying, they don't want to lose out. It can be risky, but I do think we're going to see cryptocurrency become more adopted over the next few years. That's, there's absolutely no doubt of, of that in my mind. And I think if you are in business, and I'm sure if people listening to this are involved in business, you should at least start exploring it and start perhaps download some books from Amazon. You know, you can buy, download books fairly cheaply, get a, a general understanding of it. You don't have to rush in. Read some blogs, read some websites, read some books, hang out on some forums to try and get a better understanding of it all. And then you can look at what if I'm going to invest, should I invest in hardware? Should I invest in coins?
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. So I guess after the show, you'll pass me some links for people who want to learn more about what you are just describing and the process of mining and everything. I guess I have a few questions. Maybe we can do like a rapid fire thing okay. where we don't go that deep into it, but yep. just to cover the questions I have. So, so far, how long have you been investing and whether you have made money or you're still in the break even stage? That's my first question. I think I had most of my rigs set up by
1: December, kind of early January. I bought them kind of in stages. I set up one rig first and then I bought more so yeah. between december and january so what's that eight months or so nine months yeah. so eight nine months as far as break even, yes and no because basically at the start rather than paying off my electricity or trying to pay off the, the initial capital i was investing in risky coins some of those coins didn't do too well but then i've since mined other coins which have went up in value and potentially could make me a huge amount of money but i'm just holding the coins Long term, I've adopted a risky strategy in that I bought the, the initial all the initial hardware, and I I pay off the electricity every month, and then I just hold the coins. and I'm thinking long term, two three years investment minimum, right. rather than right. I'm going to break even in the next six months, to then start investing. I, I wanted to start exploring projects from the start. So, Okay.
0: and is it typical for miners to get their Bitcoin, sell it immediately? pay the bills, and keep the rest as profits? Or do many people adopt this kind of strategy that you just described?
1: Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of half and half, I guess. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are doing what I do, and they just pay the electricity every month and go, okay, that's the cost of you know investing.
0: And when you say pay the electricity from the amount earned?
1: Well, no, just pay. The, like The way that I'm doing it is I'm just paying my electricity, and just that's my cost yeah. for you know, get involved in the game
0: from your savings. Yeah, you pay that. Um,
1: and then any coins I earn are mine. I don't have to worry about cashing mm-hmm. out in order to to pay for electricity. Right. But that is more of a risky approach. I was speaking to someone uh, from the USA the other day, Brad Cahoon. I think it's like uh, Brad Cahoon, mm-hmm. and Brad was saying that what he does is fifty percent is is cashed out. Pays always electricity, as he says, it keeps my wife happy. So he pays all the electricity <laughs> and another fifty percent he invests in the projects that he think are worthwhile yeah. so he makes sure that he pays the electricity costs which you know can be quite a few hundred per month it does depend on your rigs you can make your rigs more efficient but you do have to cover your electricity costs you know you have to pay your electricity every month he's chosen to take those costs out of his profits I've decided to just pay them from the money that I make you know from my other things you know websites and things and then Invest it all it's hard to see what is right or wrong because if you look at it again in hindsight what brad has done this year was a safer approach and it's in hindsight the best approach this year but if the market goes the other way then we could be saying the opposite and saying my risky approach paid off and so you have to look yeah, at your, sure. your aversion to risk different strategies yeah so and it, it's hard to say which one is right and which one is wrong You can take a very risky approach to it all, or you can, you know, there's a lot of people and all they did, all the profits from the first six months goes back to paying the the, the initial investment. Other people don't do that, so.
0: Mm. I guess I'm still struggling to understand why I would do the mining instead of just buying outright. Well, it's a safer approach, I would say. Generally
1: speaking, it's a safer, more cautious investment from mining, I believe so. So I'll give you an example. When I bought my hardware in December, you know, a lot of my cards, because they were scarce, they were more expensive. You know, they're Mm -hmm. a little bit more expensive, not, you know, they they actually became more expensive a month or so later. Instead of buying that hardware, I think I spent about, well, I bought my PC and I bought a monitor and that as well, but I probably spent about 11, 12 grand on graphics cards and motherboards and all these different things. A lot of money, a, a big investment. What that did was give me hash power. I've got 30 graphics cards. This has given me the power to mine, you know, pretty much any coin, but the certain coins are more effective. I'll make more money. Now, that gives me a daily return, a weekly return, a monthly return. And there's no guarantee on price of the coins that I mine, but it does give me the option to keep mining. Also, if, you know, for example, my personal situation changed in March or June, I could sell all my graphics cards And I wouldn't get all my initial investment back. But, you know, I do have the option of getting quite a lot of it back. And even today, I can go out and sell my graphics cards, my 1060s, which cost me 250 pounds. I should still be able to get today, maybe if I'm lucky, 150 pounds, maybe 140 pounds in the UK. So, you know, it's about 60% of the values it was Mm -hmm. nine months ago. But I've had nine months of mining. Look at the the flip side to that. Imagine I just spent 12,000 pounds on Bitcoin in December. And I went, okay, Bitcoin's the safest bet, 12,000 pounds in Bitcoin. And spa- in the space of a few months, Bitcoin went from $20,000. And right now it's about $6,500. So that's more than a third of the investment. So I would have, you know, my initial investment would have went from say 12 grand down to about four grand. And I'd, I'd have no hardware. I'd have no way to recoup my money in any way or form. Or I could have spent all that money in a, a risky coin, a speculative coin. And that project could have went even lower, you know, than a third that could have went all the way down. Generally speaking, if you've got hardware, you still, you know, it's still risky. You still have to break even. You still want to recoup your initial investment. But I would say it is a more cautious approach to cryptocurrency investment. But you, you know, you have to spend time. You need to do more research. It's not just you don't just sit in your app, look on Binance mm-hmm. on your phone and, and buy and sell, and then that's it. You need to spend time doing it. You need to manage uh, your rigs things can go wrong, things will go wrong. But I do think it's a, a, from an investment point of view, because you can then sell on your graphics cards, I think it's, generally speaking, a more safer approach to it. Mm. But, you you know, I'm using the example there as Bitcoin going down in price. No,
0: that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. If you had to buy 10 Bitcoin, and it the, goes up.
1: But I could, on the flip side, again, to play devil's advocate to my own argument, there's certain coins that were only a dollar in December and perhaps up 10 or $50 now. And I could mm-hmm. be, I could have made, you know, turned that twelve thousand pounds into a million pounds. But there's no guarantee that I would have chose the right coins, especially at the beginning. Um, and I think, you know, if you've got hardware, it allows you to, you know, diversify, allows you to learn. I mean, I think from mining as well. If I choose to sell my rigs and, you know, next year for any reason, I think I've learned a lot from running these rigs as far as how everything ties together, as far as how mining affects the price, uh, you know, the price of certain coins and that. So I think it's a more cautious approach. It's not always the most sensible way, but Mm -hmm. the reason, again, you know, the, the reason I'm saying this is that example that I'm giving you is based on December when the price of Bitcoin was high and it's now low. If I just was keeping Bitcoin for two years or three years, Bitcoin could be $50,000 in a few years. So if you look at the long-term investment, that could prove to be the best investment. And it's the same now. Right now, I would say that buying hardware, when I bought it, was a sensible thing. But right now, buying hardware could be the wrong thing because the prices of so many good coins are low, like lower than historically they've ever been. So perhaps right now,
0: and the hardware cost varies according to the coin, or I guess not so much, right? The hardware cost is more or less always the same, right?
1: More or less. I mean, generally speaking, the price of of any hardware you buy will start depreciating over time. But yeah. what we saw last year was everyone was trying to mine, and there wasn't enough graphics cards in the industry mm-hmm. for people to mine, which drove the price up. You had cards, which you know, some of the 1080 Ti cards that should have only been six hundred fifty pounds, they were being sold for nine hundred and a thousand pounds. They were being sold at a premium, even secondhand cards. So it might sound right now that I'm sitting on the fence with a lot of these answers, but there's so many things, you know, so many ways to do this, and so many of my answers change when the market changes. You know yeah. If in a few months' time Bitcoin is back up at fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars, a lot of the things that I'm saying, you know, could be flipped. But I, generally speaking, I think if you buy hardware, then you know, rather than invest in one particular coin. If you invest in one particular coin, your success or failure is tied to that project, which maybe that's a bad example. Maybe I should say, you know, instead of £10,000 on hardware, I put £1,000 in 10 different projects.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I find it difficult to answer questions like this, clearly, because it's not always black and white, and there's so many factors in the market. Makes sense. And a lot of things that I think, you know, that I thought were true months ago Perhaps I would do things differently, but I'm saying that I would do things differently knowing the way the market went this year. And no one knows what's going to happen in a month's time. My hardware, you know, my graphics cards I'm seeing could sell for 150. They could be sold for 300 pounds because the graphics cards are scarce again. So,
0: yeah. What about people who are traveling as we've done in the past, being digital nomads? Is it the same thing to join a mining pool or is it totally different?
1: There are some what they call cloud mining services.
0: Mm -hmm. Like I've heard of Genesis, is that one of them?
1: Yeah, but in my opinion of Genesis and Hashflare and a few of these other ones are that you should avoid them. Personally, I feel that you should avoid them. The reason being that they try and tie you into two and three-year contracts. You know, things change in cryptocurrency on a weekly, monthly basis, and they're tying you into contracts that are fixed for years at a time. I think it's very inflexible. But there's another service coming out, Minority, which is developed and supported by a group of people that are very well respected by miners. It's a little bit fairer, the way they're handling it. But there's been a lot of scams in the cloud mining uh, sector, which is a little bit disappointing, but there has been. But what I would do, you know, as you say, I'd love to travel again. If I sold all my rigs, I would just take a laptop. There's certain services that allow me to
0: mine. It's an important downside. <laughs> yeah, to have the <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. having a pet, no?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but the same services, like I, I use NiceHash as an example. NiceHash is a marketplace mm-hmm. where you can buy and sell a hash power. But essentially, what you're doing is renting someone's mining rig for a short period of time, normally for a few yeah. hours. You can use that hash power to mine certain coins. There's another really good website called MiningRigRentals.com, and you can hire a rig from anything from three hours. To like three days you know you can rent a rig and you can say right i'm going to use this guy like i could rent my whole setup to mine a rig rental someone can pay me a fixed fee and say right i'm going to use your rig for three days or three hours or 12 hours whatever and they can mine whatever they want with it and there are certain situations that that's beneficial looking at my setup i've got nvidia cards and nvidia cards You know, every type of graphics card is is, is good at specific algorithms as far as AMD cards are better at certain algorithms than Nvidia ones. And I could, you know, a smart way to do it, for example, if there was a coin or algorithm that my, my set wasn't good at mining, I could mine what my coins were good at mining, cash in on Litecoin, Ethereum or Bitcoin, and then use that fund to hire or rent someone else's rig. That's what I would do if I was traveling remotely, rather than tying myself into a long contract, I would use something like that. But it is worth pointing out that in order to have a good understanding of nice hash and mining rig rentals, you ideally want to have some experience in mining or at least testing on your laptop to get an understanding of how it all works with pools because there is a fine line between, you know, mining a certain coin and paying for hash power and mining a coin that makes you money, and mining a coin that loses your money, you have to do your calculations, mm-hmm. and you're doing it. You're doing calculations based on the price, based on the network hash rate, which is you know how many people are mining, and these things change. So,
0: yeah, all right, yeah, it's it's a very thorough overview, and obviously, I'll be linking all the other videos that you have on YouTube, or just the channel directly because you've done a lot of. Coverage of this topic and as we can see, you could talk for yes, hours yes. about <laughs> this stuff. But there's a lot of that was supposed to
1: that, that was supposed to be a quick before. fire round as well, John. I apologize.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out too well. No, but it's good. It's good. I think based on this conversation, one important thing that I would say is a benefit potentially is the fact that it's not as easy to invest in mining than it is to just buy coins in the sense that it kind of forces you to think more. Yep. So it maybe enforces more disciplined and rational investments. I think that's an important consideration.
1: I do think it gives you, even if you only have one graphics card in your laptop and you just mess around with software such as Awesome Miner or, or you know, there's other things mm-hmm. like All-in-One Miner, nice hash, all these different things. If you've got a good understanding of how it all works, I think it can help you from a trading point of view as well, just to give you a better understanding of the full picture, I think.
0: Yep. So apart from mining, you're also involved in certain projects and other aspects of crypto, as you were telling me.
1: Yeah, we spoke about this briefly before we went live there. I started mining a coin, I think it was about April this year, called Safecoin. And you know what? I've adopted very, you know, many different strategies this year. You know, I mined Ethereum for a month, then I mined something else for a month. And then at one point, I was trying lots of different coins and, you know, getting in an early and mining some coins for a few weeks, then changing. Safecoin was a project that stuck out. They were actually um, attacked, you know, they were being attacked heavily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but again, when you're mining, it's the same as investing. You need to do a lot of research. And, you know, every cryptocurrency should have a white paper that outlines what they're going to do. So you look at the roadmap and they say, well, we're going to do this in the future. You look at the white paper and to get an understanding of what the coin is actually for, because we're talking about mining, we're talking about cryptocurrency, but what these cryptocurrencies should be doing is solving problems or solving a problem in you know, in the industry or a problem they see in the world. And you have to look at the white paper, the website, you need to look at interviews, you need to look at reviews. But a lot of it is reading between the lines, and it's going to the Discord. You know, Discord is a, it was designed for gamers, but it's it's been adopted by the cryptocurrency world, so has the messaging app Telegram. And you go in there, you can talk to the developers, you can talk to the team, you can talk to everyone who's involved in the project. And Discord tends to be where you find out a huge amount of information. It's where miners hang out, it's where investors hang out, people are asking questions, and there you know you can look at the white paper the website videos interviews but when you go to discord there's a lot of reading between the lines you know and for example i can look at a website fantastic design the white paper looks amazing and then you go into the discord group where it should have an active community and the developers aren't talking to anyone and they're not posting updates and they're not telling you what they're doing i would be discouraged by that Um to go back to what you were asking about safecoin Kind of illustrates my point. <laughs> I get there eventually. The reason I was that, you know, Safecoin got attacked at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And normally that's what puts you off a coin. But one of the things that attracted me to the project was that rather than make any excuses or hide it, you know, the, the founder, Jeff Galloway, came out. He was honest about it. He was transparent. He said, listen, guys, we, we didn't think this would happen so early on in the project. And he made, he's like, I'll guarantee you we'll pay everyone back for the attack. Rolled it back. And rather than focus on marketing the first month, he was just focusing on security. And yeah, I was just attracted to the project, the way that it handled it. A lot of these projects as well, maybe this is a little bit of a stereotype, but a lot of these people, they're very intelligent people that are running the the cryptocurrencies that are developing these coins, very smart coders. And it is maybe a little bit of a stereotype, but sometimes they're not the most social people. They don't want to be on camera. They don't want to speak. And sometimes that manifests itself in different ways. For example, I've dealt with some projects. You know, obviously, I've got a YouTube channel that discusses cryptocurrency. I've talked to some people, and the main guy is fantastic. He knows his stuff from coding, but he can't manage a team. So it's almost like a mutiny where people start leaving and then the project's in disarray. Jeff was, you know, one of the projects. You know, there's other projects out there as well that I really like, but uh, with Safecoin, he was a, you know, quite a social person, quite a nice guy, and he was honest, and he, he's got integrity. And uh, so that attracted me to that project, and he kept asking me to join the team, and I kept saying no. <laughs> so he kept, he kept asking me to join the team, and I kept saying, no and say, listen, I've got a YouTube channel. It's important that I'm impartial."
0: Just can I just interject because I want to touch on the point on how to get involved in cryptos. So how did you get in touch with uh, Jeff from Safecoin?
1: this was a little bit of a strange way that I got in touch with him. But basically, when the attack was on, I did a YouTube video about it and I highlighted the fact he was being attacked mm-hmm. by another coin. You know, I, don't, I don't want to dwell on that too much. But yeah, I did that. And then you know, when you start mining a coin, you tend to hang out and you start asking questions. And you're like, what's happening here? And you start quizzing them. And, and this is all on, on Discord? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, yeah, it was on Discord. But you also... You know, you need to help getting the miner set up sometimes. You're like, oh, yeah. what's this setting? And a fellow miner will help you out. And then you help someone else out. And before you know it, you're hanging out and you're giving support yeah. to other people. So yeah, I got to know him there. And yeah, I just, I liked what he was doing. I liked what he was trying to do with the project. You know, at that point, I'd been jumping around lots of different coins for a few months. And this was, you know, one of the first coins that I thought, yeah, I really like what he's trying to do here. So after a month, I said, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll join the team. And, and the way that I looked at it, you know, I was worried about, Perhaps people questioning my integrity or whether my videos would be biased. But then I started looking at the positive, getting involved in a team, seeing the other side of the fence in a way and seeing what they have to deal with. Because a lot of cryptocurrencies, you'll see one announcement and what you don't realize is in the background, that's three weeks of hard work and working just for that small announcement, just for that small feature. Mm -hmm. So right now, I mainly help out with marketing, write some blog posts and just you know, give my view on different things. All of this, you know, no one's getting paid right now. It's a, it's a new project. We're all just basically chipping in, and this is how quite a lot of the vast majority of cryptocurrencies are run, where people are just giving up their time free of charge because you know they believe in the project, and it kind of makes sense because if you think about it, if you've invested in a project, you know, you've been mining a coin for a long time, you can directly influence, you know, whether that coin is successful by giving your help and helping out in any way you can. It can be small things, just doing some graphics or social media or just spreading the word you know, all the way to people contributing code and things like that. So yeah, it was kind of kind of bizarre the way that I got involved after they got attacked. But mm-hmm. I, I just liked the way that he, he, he responded to it all. You kind of need to read between the lines because anyone can see anything in a website, in a white paper. They can see anything in an interview, but it's actually backing it up and delivering it.
0: And going back to the getting involved part, what are the typical? Is there some contract or agreement that you sign when when joining a team of a cryptocurrency, or what? What are the expectations from both sides?
1: I think every team is different, but you know, cryptocurrency is so new; it isn't a formal thing. There are some coins that are more established. I mean, they there for a few years. They can pay developers. They've got the hierarchy. They've got the structure that allows people, you know, they can set it up. Perhaps they had a large ICO. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got millions in the bank and they can pay developers, they can pay people and they hire them just like any normal company. But a lot of projects and some of the best projects are open source and they're being started just with someone with a vision and everyone is contributing to it. So, you know, as far as joining in, I think most teams how it works is if you're on the Discord, if you're helping people and, you know, you're showing people that you want to help and you're you know, say for example, you have trouble setting up your miner. Someone helps you, and then the next few people come in. You start helping them. You pay it forward. The team will start noticing that you need people to moderate the Discord yeah. as
0: well. It's, it's just kind a of uniform. what happens in the WordPress.org forums. Yeah, that we're used to. You know,
1: I've been interviewing a lot of people in the cryptocurrency world, and a lot of these people, this is how it starts. They'll say, "Well, I downloaded a miner. I started chatting to the guy. They were very." good with me and i wanted to help out and this is the thing everyone's devoting their time because they believe in a particular mm. project you know i guess we all have a self-interest as well because we have invested coins in it as well so if you have mined a speculative coin that isn't worth right now you can directly influence whether it's a success or not by contributing yeah so there's a lot of people they need a lot of you know a uh, time a lot of work a lot of energy a lot of experience and they're doing it because they believe in the project, they believe in what they're trying to do. But you know, they're also, in a way, trying to protect their investment.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's always the same way it works in open source projects, right? When we get involved with WordPress and contribute, it's because we use WordPress and want to ensure it stays. we invested a lot of time and energy, and we want to make sure that it stays around for 10 more years or more.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn with that because, you know, most nearly all cryptocurrencies are listed on GitHub and they allow anyone to submit, you know, suggested changes to be implemented into the code. And the people who do that, they tend to be recognized or they, they tend to be invited to the team or a lot of teams do it in different ways. People offer bounties, you know, where if you could break our code, we'll give you a you know, we'll give you a prize or we'll give you some mm-hmm. coins. Right they do try and reward people who help them out because they realize that people who are good at coding or who are good at marketing, you know, they could be doing this for another coin. So it's in their interest to try and reward them in some way.
0: Right. And is there any other way you're involved in crypto apart from these two main areas that we mentioned?
1: I think those are the two major ways. Yeah. Buying directly in or buying hardware to mine the coins. hmm there's kind of variations of that as well. Like from an investment point of view, you can invest in coins and develop a masternode where you have it's like a node system to protect the network. But you need to put up, you know, a certain number of coins. Right. Um, I've been mining a new coin, and once you get to five thousand coins, you can have a node, and then you get rewarded on a daily basis. So it's kind of like you're being rewarded for mining, you know, from the block reward, but you're not actually mining. You know, it's it's all on a VPS. Right. Uh, But, you know, this is a kind of subset almost. Uh, I think for most people getting into it, you're either buying hardware to mine or you're just buying the coins directly. Mm -hmm. There's variations as well, like proof of stake. I'm sure you're aware of things like that as well.
0: And of course, you also run your YouTube channel, which is focused on crypto. So I guess that can be thought of as the third project you have in crypto. From the mining itself and the involvement with Safecoin, you're also teaching people about how to mine crypto on your YouTube channel. Thanks, everyone, for being with us on this show. Hope you had an interesting uh, experience learning from Kevin about crypto mining. Please leave a review on iTunes if you like this episode and if you like mastermind.fm in general. To finish off, you can follow me on Twitter at jangalea. And I remind you, we'll be back next week with Kevin Maldon to discuss YouTube and how to start and grow a YouTube channel. Thanks and see you next week.